Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. What if I had kept away from that relationship? I shouldn't have even been there on such and such day. And I knew it and I went anyway. And now years later, years have been stolen and things have been messed up because of that moment. What if I had stayed away from that group? What if I had stayed away from that relationship? What if I had married so-and-so? What if I had taken more time with my kids and worked less? What if I had eaten healthier when I knew way back then I needed to make some changes? What if I had eaten better, exercised more, and stressed less? And now here I am paying the toll, and now I can't reverse some of these things. What if, what if, what if? What if I would have taken that trip when I had the chance? I missed a really great opportunity. There was the opportunity, and my life was right at the time to do it, and I could have done it, and I missed it. I might not ever get it. What if I would taken that? What if... I wouldn't have waited so long to follow God. What if I'd listened to that preacher? What if I'd listened to my grandma? What if I'd listened to mom and dad? They were right. They were trying to save me time. I could have started where they finished instead of starting where they started and learning what they were already trying to tell me. What if I wouldn't have waited so long to follow God? Am I talking to anybody? Regret. Somebody say regret. I forgot to do this. I was going to have the tech team pull up a picture to put on the projector. Have you ever seen the tattoo that says, no regrets? (laughs) No regrets. Regret. Regret is age old. You can't go to a time, I mean, the moment of creation, I guess. But Adam and Eve did not waste any time forming regrets. So regret is as old as humanity. It's as old as the earth. And regret is about as common as any struggle can be. There is no struggle that is more common than regret. Now, there are plenty of common struggles, but regret ranks in the top of them. Everybody experiences regret. 
Job said. It's recorded in Job 3 and 11. Job said, Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Has anybody ever said, Why was I even born? Anybody ever said, I didn't ask to be born? (laughs) That was the cry of Job's heart. Job said, why was I even born? I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't even exist. Why didn't somebody just take me? Well, there's good news. If you live with regret, at least you're in good company. There are plenty of people going through the same thing that you are going through. That's another big lie of the enemy that we should talk about sometime. One of his very best. And it is convincing you that nobody else understands. The devil would love nothing more. By the way, his whole tactic is isolation. You can see it all through Scripture. Remember when the Bible says the devil comes as a lion? Well, we, we shouted about it, but we skipped right over what it means. How does a lion come? The lion never jumps into the pack to attack. He never jumps into the herd. He never jumps into the flock. The devil, the, the lion lies in wait until there is a vulnerable one that gets away from the family. When he gets them by their self, now he can surround them. And take advantage of the situation. Well, that's what the devil does. That's why the devil fights people so hard to get you to not be at church. Today would be a great example because no one's here. (laughs) The devil fights so hard at getting people to not be in church. You know, when you are here with all your brothers and sisters and you are hearing affirmations of love and faith, You're seeing the smiles, and you're receiving the hugs and the encouragement. When you get off by yourself, all of a sudden those lies begin to whisper. You say, they don't care. They don't like me. And all of a sudden those things begin to take root, and you begin to actually believe things that you know are not true. In the last three weeks, we've got word through the grapevine from two individuals that used to go to church here that don't go to church here anymore. One of them, uh, a, a person in their younger years, one of them in their older years. And these are people that I know that I reached out to over and over and over again. And I know many individuals of you that specifically reached out to them over and over and over again. And both of them have said they don't go here anymore because nobody reached out to them. I got, this is a side sermon, okay? This is a soapbox sermon. I got three things that every person should ask. If you ever find yourself in a position where you are saying, the people at church didn't check on me, there are three questions that you have to ask yourself. Number one, why are you at church? Are you at church for people? Were you at church so people could check on you? Was that your reason? Were you, because now you're telling on yourself. Come on, somebody. 
Who were you at church for and what were you at church for? Was this a social thing for you? Was this a club to be part of? Or were you here because God led you here and you wanted to hear his gospel no matter what? Because my mom went to a church by herself for two years and nobody spoke to her for over two years. It was two years of Sunday, of every Sunday before somebody said, hello. But my mom never left and said, nobody checked on me. Why? She was there because God said, go to church. So she was doing what she's supposed to do regardless of what people do. So number one, why am I there? Number two, before we ever say nobody reached out to me, we must ask, how many people have I reached out to? Because neither of these individuals that claimed that have once checked on me. When they disappeared, they never asked how my family was doing. They never asked how I was doing. They never asked about my kids. But yet their problem is that people didn't check on them. It's funny how people accuse everyone else of doing the thing that they are doing. They're really projecting what they're feeling, trying to get it off of them and projecting it on someone else. Number three question. You can, you can also use these questions not just for yourself. You can also use them for ammo. You can use them as a filter the next time you run into the situation. Here's the number three question. When you start saying, nobody checked on me, is it even true? And nine times out of ten, it ain't. It ain't. All right. So the enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy, that was the freebie. Did you, you don't have to pay for that one? It's free of charge. The enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants you by yourself. But the good news is, if you're dealing with regret, you are not by yourself. Somebody does understand. Not only do they understand regret in general, they understand your regret because somebody has done or has gone through or has missed the same thing that you have. And here's really good news. There are people who have faced the same regrets you have faced and made it through and conquered and got the victory, and now they are not only surviving, they are thriving, and they are living above the thing that has tried to hold you back. Is this helping anybody? There are plenty of people going through the same thing. You are not alone. You are not alone. So regret is age old, and regret is super common. However, that doesn't make it acceptable. Regret has always existed, and everybody has done it, and is still wrong. If you are living in regret, you're doing it wrong. I know things like regret and guilt, sometimes we feel righteous in them. We feel like, I ought to feel this way. I ought to feel horrible. I ought to feel regret after what I did. 
Now, there's a right kind of regret and a right kind of... Yes, we have plenty of things that we wish we hadn't done, and they don't make us feel good. But I'm talking about the regret you carry and live in. Some people think they're doing something right. Some people don't think they're right unless they feel wrong. Some people can't be happy unless they're sad. But if we're doing it that way, we're wrong. Friend, if you are carrying regret, you're wrong. Regret is the wrong way to deal with any problem. The thing you're regretting will not fix the thing you're regretting. You feel bad because you want it to be different. Your regret is never going to make it different. Your guilt and your shame is never going to accomplish the thing that you wish you had. You're going at it all wrong. You regretting it will never fix it. Regret can never change what did happen. It only steals what could happen. I'm going to say it again. Regret can never change what did happen. It can only steal. It only steals what could happen. It is mind-blowing to think that we would hand over our future to our past. That we would sacrifice the time we have left for time that's already gone by. How sad to give up an entire life over one bad season of your life. Why waste time that you could do something great because of times when you did something wrong? Why waste the rest of it because you wasted some of it over here. Now you're just repeating the thing that you claim to hate. Don't punish the new you for something the old you can never change anyway. Quit making today pay for what happened yesterday. Question. Wave to me if you've ever been around kids. <laughs> if you parent or if you babysat or if you've been around kids, taught school, whatever. Question. How many times with kids have you had to say, Watch where you're going, you're about to run into something? There should be just as many hands because you only have to be around any children one time for five minutes to tell them not to run into what they're getting ready to run into. Watch where you're going. You're about to run into something. Quit looking behind you. Quit watching everybody else. Look ahead, even if they're riding a bicycle. And then they're this. You've had to do that? I wonder how many times a day God is telling you, watch 
where you're going. Quit looking behind you. Quit watching everybody else. Look ahead. If you keep looking where you were, instead of where you're going, you are going to hurt yourself by crashing through something that was intended to help you. And then you'll have more to regret. At some point, you have to break the cycle and quit adding regret on top of regret. You'd have a hard time driving a car if you replaced the front glass with a mirror. But many of us have replaced the windshield of our life with a big rearview mirror instead of just checking a little one for reference to make sure we're not letting anything back there run up on us. That's what a rearview mirror is for. A rearview mirror is not for driving where you're going. It's to check to make sure that what is behind is not catching up, especially if it's the police. Just punch it. Don't let them catch up with you. That's what a rearview mirror is for. A rearview mirror is for reference, not for living in. Are you hearing me today? God's view. I want God's view. I want to have the mind of Christ. Paul told us you have the mind of Christ. Elsewhere, he said, let the mind of Christ be in you. So he said, you have it. You have, you have Jesus' mind. Now let Jesus' mind have its way. God's view for your life is always forward-facing. God's view for your life is continually looking where you're going, not where you've been. Paul was no stranger to the what-ifs. You ought to study the Apostle Paul if you never have. His life, his life pre-conversion and his life on through and everything he did. It's incredible. Paul was no stranger to the what-ifs. He had spent his whole life fighting against God in the name of serving God. He was a legal, religious ruler of the day. He had studied the law of God. He had obeyed the law of God. He spoke the law of God and the importance of God's law. His entire life was about being a good law-abiding Jew for the God of the Jews. But he did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. 
He did not believe he was the sin savior. He did not believe he was the Messiah. He did not believe he was the seed of David. He didn't believe that. So when Jesus showed up, he fought against the work of God in the name of serving God. And then he found out that although he had been sincere, he was sincerely wrong. Did you know that sincerity doesn't get anyone into heaven? Sincerity doesn't make anyone right with God. I can find you Muslims that are very sincere. We can find you people from every sect and every religion that are extremely sincere, that are extremely passionate, and yet wrong. Being sincere does not mean you're right. And Paul found out that although he was extremely religious, extremely dedicated, extremely committed, and quite honestly, well-behaved in the name of God's law, and still wrong. Paul had a million reasons to regret. He also had a lot of blood on his conscience. Paul, because of his position, had stood by while many Christians were killed because of their faith in Jesus and how that radical Jesus movement was threatening the religion of the day. He had a lot of blood on his conscience and proverbially on his hands. But Jesus had met him. And Jesus had saved him. And Jesus had changed him and transformed him that he was no longer what he used to be. God even changed his name. He said, you used to be Saul, now you are Paul. Names are powerful, aren't they? Do you know that God has a name change for you? Do you know that when you come to Jesus, when you are born again, your sin is removed from you as far as the east is from the west? The Holy Spirit once spoke to me and explained to me what that means. How far is the east from the west? Well, it's not an amount. It is forever. East is continually, perpetually going east, and west is perpetually going west. Whenever you are born again, you are not just forgiven of your sin. Your sin is now eternally, perpetually running further and further and further away from you. You are spaced apart from your sin as far as eternity is long. That's how far you are from your sin. You are a different person. You are a new creature. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You are the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. You are kings and priests in the kingdom a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a peculiar generation. You are the children of God. Saul became Paul. He was forgiven. He was washed. He was changed. 
But his brain hadn't forgotten. His brain had not forgotten all of his failure, all of his rebellion, every way that he had messed it up. So he had a million reasons to regret, probably more than us. But he also knew that regretting his past could never redeem his future. To dwell on what had been could never take him where he was supposed to go. So he made up his mind. He decided to live for heaven instead of for the things he had messed up on earth. What are you living for? I know you want to live for God, but are you really living for him, inspired by that? Or are you living under the influence of everything you did and messed up before? That's what we, we, we are living for, whatever's on my, our mind. We are living for whatever we're reacting to. We are living for whatever you respond to. That's what you're li- giving your time for. And so if we are beating ourselves up for everything we did wrong and we think we're doing something holy by keeping ourselves down, you are living for your past instead of for your God. You are living for somebody that doesn't exist anymore. You are living for a sinner that Jesus wiped out at the cross instead of for the brand new creature living on the inside of you, which is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're living for earth instead of heaven. Quit beating yourself up. Quit shaming yourself. So many people talk about how horrible they are. So many people talk about all the things they have wrong and the things they don't like about themselves and this and that, and they ought to be further at this point in their life. What if somebody started talking that way about your kid? What if somebody came up to you and instead of talking about your child's accomplishments, they started talking about every failure your child had made and they're ugly on top of it? Every time you say those things about yourself, God says, you're talking about my kid. Every time you say that, Jesus says, you're talking about my bride. So Paul made his mind up to live for heaven instead of for the earth he had messed up. God could have picked anyone to write two-thirds of our New Testament Could have picked anyone to be the apostle of grace, the one and only. God picked one guy on the whole earth to give the understanding of the new covenant of grace to. Picked him out and then said, you will be the one that explains what my son just did on the cross. You will take this first to the other apostles and then to the world. Big job. He could have picked anyone to explain the finished work of Christ, to deliver it to the world, but he picked Paul. When God looked at the earth, which, by the way, the Old Testament says the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro all the time, looking for someone to whom he can show himself strong. You know what? If God is looking for somebody that he can show himself strong to, if you're looking for somebody, I'm right here. 
You're trying to find somebody that you can show yourself strong to? I am right here. Come on, somebody. He picked Paul. He picked Saul, turned him into Paul. He picked the one that had persecuted the church. He picked the one who had rejected Christ previously. He picked the one who had stood by while Christians were martyred for following Jesus. This is who God decided to use. Paul had truckloads of personal failure that he could have lived every day regretting. But instead, he said this, Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, I don't claim I've figured all this out. But one thing I do, he said, I've got this, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul said, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all right. I have not arrived. He said, but I got this one thing down, and if you were Paul, you'd have to. He said, I figured out this one secret to it all. Forgetting. He didn't say forgot. He said forgetting because you got to keep forgetting. You know why? Because you keep getting reminded. There are plenty of people that want to remind you. When those things sneak up, you can't freak out and say, I thought I was past it. I guess I wasn't really past it. No, you really were. Falling today does not negate progress up until that point. Today's mistake does not erase all of your growth. Don't throw away all of your growth because you had a bad day. Forgetting. You're going to get reminded of it, and you'll have to forget it again. Tell your neighbor, forget about it. You're going to over and over and over again. It's going to come up, and you're going to have to forget it again. And you have permission to forget it again. It's okay. I'm telling you, it will come up again, and you can forget it again. When it, when it comes up, that doesn't mean you've lost. When it comes up, that does not mean you failed. It just means you remembered. Big deal. We have memories. We're humans. We're good at it. Thank God we have memories. Thank God we can remember. You don't want your remembering to shut down. So what's happening? You're just remembering something. It's not the end of the world. Yes, it hurts. Yes, you feel the heartbreak again. Yes, that stinks. Yes, I'm sorry, but it's not over. It's not the end of you. It does not mean that you're back to living that way. Oh, man, it's like it all came back. It didn't all come back. You just thought it. It's just neurons firing inside of your brain. Big deal. Shut them down. It doesn't mean you're back. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting. That's the thing I do. I do forgetting. Paul was a good forgetter. He was a good forgetter, and that's what we have to be. The next time that you are haunted by, what if I would have... You know what you do with that? 
That's question, what if I would have? You drop the have. You get rid of the have. And you just say, what if I would? You turn that thing forward facing. What if I would have is facing backward. What if I would is facing forward. Not what can you do about that. You can't do anything about that. But you can do a whole lot about tomorrow. What if I would? Turn the tables on your past. What if I would decide to live in this moment and not miss another one? What if I will go ahead with my plans instead of letting that stop me like I have every time before? Every time it comes up and then I have to give up another whole day and another whole week crying and feeling ashamed and shutting myself up. What if I don't obey the memory this time? What if that thing sneaks up and reminds me of how I was abused? And instead of going back to that place where I was abused, I say, you know what? That happened, but I got plans to go out and eat, and I'm going. What if the next time the devil reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future? What if the next time it comes up, yes, I have the feeling for a moment, but I refuse to obey it with my actions, I am going on. What if I would? What if I would look for the joy in my own kids instead of looking at the childhood I was deprived of? What if I start telling all my now people that I love them instead of punishing myself for the one I didn't get to tell? What if I start using my past as a lesson instead of as a prison? I'm preaching better than you're acting. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Hallelujah. Isaiah 43 in verse 18. I love how the NIV captures it. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, God was talking to Israel about a specific situation, but what I want to look at is the nature of the heart of God toward his people. Because while he was telling this to them about that, he's saying it to you about where you're at. Would you for a moment use your imagination with me and just consider that God is telling you, Summer, Lisa, Patty, John, Stacy, Chuna, that God is saying to us right now, forget the former things. Can't you see I'm doing something right now? You're about to miss what I'm doing thinking about what happened. God says, I'm past that. Would you get past it? God says, I left that over there, but I can't get you away from it. Would you quit looking at what God won't look at? God refuses to look at your sin. Would you quit looking at it? 
You're looking at stuff you're not supposed to be looking at. You got your little, got your little filthy book over here. God says, what are you looking at? God says, is that one of them sin magazines? You were there looking at one of them dirty magazines. No, God, I'm not looking at a dirty magazine. He said, no, that's a dirty magazine. All that is dirt. It's your dirt that used to belong to you, but I washed it away. I do not look at dirty magazines. Quit looking at dirty magazines. You're looking at stuff that God refuses to look at. God refuses to look at your past, and you keep trying to visit it. Oh, God, if I just not done that. God says, I don't live there anymore. God says, I have nothing to do. I won't have anything to do with that. I forgot about that. I covered it. You're a brand new person. When I look at you, I see Jesus. I don't see you anymore. I only look at Jesus, so you only look at Jesus. If I won't look at you, you don't look at you. That's what God wants to do. God wants to do a new thing. It springs up now. Don't you perceive it? He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. You say, God, I'm in this wilderness. He says, perfect, that's where I'm making a way. God, I'm parched in this wasteland. He says, great, that's exactly where I'm putting a stream. In the wasteland. Forget the former things. Listen, when you have Jesus inside of you, you have an opportunity to deal with tragedy and failure differently than everyone else does. 2 Corinthians 7.10. I have never noticed this verse until two days ago. My whole life, I never saw how. I've read it, never saw this verse. Listen to this. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. God says, I give a salvation that doesn't have regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. God says there's two kinds of grief. There's the kind that says, oh, I hate that. So I turn to God, and it produces fruits of righteousness, and I'm free. And then there is, oh, I hate me, and you stay there forever. The born-again person that has grief about something can turn it into joy, peace, and righteousness. We do not have to live in it anymore. The kind of regret that people keep holding on to is a worldly way of thinking, not a godly one. If you are holding on to your regret... You are not thinking godly. You're thinking worldly. You are thinking carnally. We can turn that thing into joy. We can use it instead of letting it abuse us. Be free from regret today. Change your mind and change your life. When you change your mind, you change your life. When you, when you change your thinking, you change your walk. You change everything. You see, this whole Christian thing, everybody thinks it's about praying a prayer and inviting Jesus in your heart. Okay, that took 
a millisecond. That was at the beginning. Really, this whole thing is about be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You get saved. You spend the rest of your life transforming your brain to get on board with the holy, righteous, perfect you that's already on the inside. You were made holy in a moment. You spend the rest of your life learning that you were. You were made righteous in a second. And then you spend every Sunday after that hearing and hearing and hearing to believe what actually happened to you. If you knew how righteous you were, if you knew how holy you were, if you knew how whole you were, if you knew how loved you were, if you knew how liked you were, if you knew how approved of you were by God, you'd never regret anything else. You just live in the love, grace, peace, and power and joy in the Holy Ghost. You'd be too full of the awesomeness of Jesus to let that have anything to do with you because it doesn't. Be free. You have permission, Elsa, to let it go. Well, I got about five of you. Wow. It's a Disney movie. I'm sorry for you. You have permission. To let it go. And as a matter of fact, we have a charge from God to let it go. And he will help us. Quit rehearsing the past. Quit hitting replay. Start living in the here and now. Hebrews 12 and 2, the Amplified says it like this. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Look away from the things that distract you. Don't be distracted by the lie of your past. Focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, he's the first incentive for our belief, and he's the one who brings our faith to maturity. I love this. Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him, endured the cross, disregarding the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. The Bible tells why Jesus went through with the cross. It says that you brought him so much joy that he was willing to go to the cross to get you. The thought of erasing your sin gave him the joy to go through the cross. Singers, musicians, would you come? Listen to this. Your entire life and future can change right now, today. If you will allow this truth 
to settle in your mind and heart. If you will quit fighting to hang on to what's hanging on to you, Jesus was hung up for our hangups. He defeated defeat. He saved us from sin and he redeemed us from regret. If today you will simply, and I mean simply, if you will cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do inside of you right now as you've heard this message, you will leave here today a completely different human being. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.